And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I am so incredibly grateful for our worship team. I want to thank Mama T for those girls. It has been a great day at Dorsville. And we want to want you to know we're glad you're here. There are like a zillion churches you could go to, but you chose all to come here and worship. And, and I really pray already you've gotten something that will just carry you um, through the week as we've talked about and worshiped our awesome, great Savior, Jesus Christ. Can we give him praise one more time? He's worthy, guys. He is worthy. Amen and amen. Well, listen, um, in about, about three or four days, we'll be having our production of Judgment House. And when I came in 2000, if I understand it right, the church, had Brent took a, a team, and they went on the road with Judgment House in 2000 earlier, and that fall was our first production on this property of Judgment House. So if you do the math, that means that this fall, this coming week, will be the 16th production of Judgment House at Dorsville Baptist Church on this property. That's really incredible. Back in the old days... When, when, when Brent and I had hair, um, well, I'm not sure you had hair then. I'm not sure. Um, but anyway, back in those days, we, uh, it was unusual to have 15, 1,600 people come through Judgment House. We did it a few more nights, and uh, we ran a lot of people through. Even today, in three nights, we will stunt, run close to 1,000 people through this building. And, and for some of you, you might go, well, you know, I really, no one's really told me what Judgment House was, and I can't give you a, a whole description because of time, but basically it's a moving production in that we take a group, and they start at one end of the building, and they go through from scene to scene to scene. The crowd moves, the actors don't. And in each scene, and they're developing a story that regardless of how it plots out, it involves life and death. It, it involves people who make a decision to follow Christ and involves people who choose not to follow Christ. And then we step into eternity and we see their destinies, how it plays out. Uh, those who knew Christ, heaven. Those who did not, in a place called hell. And then they end up now, they end up right down this hallway in what we call the presentation room. And we have an opportunity there to share once again concisely uh, and hopefully clearly the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we call each person to choose. We, cho we call each person to make a decision. And actually every person makes a decision. They either choose Christ or they reject Christ. But we call them to a decision concerning Jesus Christ. You know, to me, the amazing part, really not of Judgment House... But this whole eternal thing is that there are two destinations out there, and that's what we want to talk about today. There's two roads that we can choose. But the amazing thing is that, now listen carefully, you, me, we get to choose our eternal destination. We are the deciding factor of what happens. I, I tell them this every year in Judgment House. Really, there are, there's more and more in our crazy, mixed-up society. But by and large, very few people believe you die, you go into a hole, you decay, and that's the end. Most everyone believes there is something after death. 
They believe there's something out there after death. And, of course, we know and we believe the Bible teaches that that is eternity either with Christ or separated from Christ. So, obviously, that makes then what we choose a very, very important decision. More important than the college you're going to attend or the person you're going to marry or the career you choose is what you do with your eternity. So today, what we want to do in ending our series on the judgments, we want to look at how Jesus describes these two roads. And then we want to take a look at the two destinies or destinations. Hence the sermon title, The Alternate Destiny. The Alternate Destiny. We'll talk about what is the default destination for people. And is there really a way to change that default? And again, we totally believe that there is. We'll start this morning in Matthew and chapter 7. Matthew chapter 17. And the way Jesus, who was the master teacher, um, if you ever want a, if you want to grow up and be a good teacher, all you have to do is study the life of Jesus and his teaching styles. And what he does is he tells us that, that each one of us are faced with two gates or two roads. And he encourages us to make the right choice. In Matthew chapter 7, here's how he starts. Enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. He begins by saying, and we already have a hint of what's coming, is that the the path that's going to lead to life is a narrow road. A narrow road. In contrast to what we're fixing to read, that the other way is a broad way and a broad gate. Now, this narrow gate, I want you to hear very clearly, is one, it's invitational, and two, it's intentional. By invitational, I mean this, that you are invited by God, and that's the only way you'll ever go through this gate, you are invited by God to go through this gate. The Bible says, Jesus said, that that no one comes to him unless the Father draw them. Um, And here's the good news, though. I personally believe that the Bible clearly teaches that 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 is a whosoever will invitation. That Jesus Christ died for the entire world and that every person has the opportunity and the right to make a choice to follow Jesus Christ. But I also believe this. I believe there is a limiting factor. That is, that God calls. I know, I know, we have a tendency to say, well, I will accept Christ when I want to. I I get the God thing. I get the Jesus thing. I get the ought to go to heaven thing. Don't want to go to hell thing. I get all that. But I'll do this when I'm ready. And that's a really bad decision. Because one, you don't know how much time you've got. We were all shocked and saddened by an accident that happened between here and Carrie Mills Road when a 22 or 23-year-old lady overcorrected, was thrown from the vehicle and killed. And was it just this week or last week that Jean and I were driving to Marion and we came upon an accident where the vehicle was in the ditch and Jean said, uh-oh, they're holding up a tarp. And a 54-year-old lady went into the passing lane, overcorrected, was thrown from the vehicle and killed. The truth is, we do not know when our time will come. But it's also a bad decision for another reason. And, and again, I do not think this is out of context, but the Bible teaches that Jesus, God said, my spirit will not always strive with man. And again, there's an invitation window. And I believe you come to Christ when God calls you, but there's no guarantee how long that invitation will hold open for you. 
So it's really important you understand that, that this narrow way is invitational. And it is very intentional. I'll, I'll say it again in a minute, but let me say it now. In America, we kind of have the assumption that the default location for eternity is heaven. Everybody wants to go to heaven. And if you ask the average person, as you knock on, on doors, as you go to the mall, most people say, yeah, I'm a, I'm a good person. I'm going to heaven. Well, that is not the default location. The default location is this place of eternal separation that we know as hell. And if you're going to go through that narrow gate, it must be intentional. You know, some of you guys, and, and I'm not a deer hunter, and, but I know bow season is now on, and you guys are looking forward to that Thursday, Friday deal, or, or Friday, Saturday deal before Thanksgiving and the one after Thanksgiving. You're really looking forward to that. But right now, you're bow hunters. And right now, you go out night after night after night and morning sometimes, if your job allows that, and you get in that tree stand, you sit there with your bow. And I don't know of a single serious bow hunter who will just see a deer off in the future and go, here we go, and hope the arrow somehow finds its way to the deer. No, you are intentional in your aim. That is, you hold your bow up, you have your sight, you steady it, you, hold your, you even control your breathing, and intentionally you shoot for the deer in the hopes of hitting the deer. The narrow gate must be intentional. You just don't throw it out there and say, well, I hope I make it to heaven. I hope I hit the gate. That's just not how it's done. It's invitational in that the Father draws us. And it must be an intentional and personal decision that we choose to follow Jesus Christ. I love the story of Matthew. In fact, I'm just sitting there thinking this morning I was out of studying. I already had it written down in my notes. But I'm thinking about how wonderful this is. And it shows really the simplicity of the gospel, but the intentionality of the gospel and the invitational part of the gospel. You know, we're sitting here. And again, again, I can't take a lot of time. I can't get bogged down with details. But the bottom line is, you know, when you were a tax collector, you were just the bottom of the pile of sinners. I mean, you were below the prostitutes and the regular sinners. You were below that. And that's exactly what Matthew was. If, if anyone ever asked you, who was the worst sinner, okay, of the 12, at least in their old life, don't, don't pick Judas. Pick Matthew. Matthew was a horrible sinner. He was a traitor, a betrayer, a thief, a robber. I mean, Matthew was a bad guy. No one wanted him. No one liked him. The only friends he had was other tax collectors. And this horrible sinner is sitting at his tax collecting station, overcharging widows and overcharging families for taxes because he got to keep everything that was over the, the minimum that the Roman government required. And Jesus walks up and says two words. Two words. Follow me. Follow me. It's amazing. I mean... Didn't say get better. Didn't say you ought to go to church. Didn't say when you change your ways, I'll invite you to the group. He just walked up to this hardcore sinner and said, follow me. Invitational. Jesus invited him on the journey just like God wants to invite you on the journey. But then it came time for Matthew to be intentional. He had a choice. He could stay where he was and continue on the path that he was on, or he could respond to the invitation of Jesus and follow him. 
We'll see it in a moment. If he stays where he was, he has wealth. He has uh, power of sorts over people. If he follows Jesus, everything changes. He has to make a choice. And you know what he did? It's real simple. The Bible says he got up and he followed Jesus. Leaving behind a very lucrative position, leaving behind worldly wealth to follow a Jewish rabbi in his group. Amazing. I love it. And that's exactly what God does. And in that, we see this... We see this great illustration of all that we want to talk about today in this short story. Matthew, follow me. Okay, I'll get up. Because here's the deal. When we're invited, when we're invited to follow Jesus, we're walking down this path, and Jesus says, follow me. Part of that is leaving that path to follow this path. We call it repentance. We, we would call it turning away from sin. We would say, instead of self and all we want, is turning around To follow Jesus. And when we follow Jesus, we literally do that. It means we begin through through this new creation process of following Jesus and becoming a believer in Jesus that we like want to be like the teacher. We want to be like him. When we go to Africa sometimes and we do these medical clinics, we, we will tell them the story about Jesus. We'll say, just like Jesus went from village to village to heal people, so we are going village to village to heal people because we want to be like Jesus. And that's the gospel. We turn from our sin and we choose to follow Jesus. We, we, and choosing to follow, we're saying we believe who he is and what he did. And we're exercising faith. So, so, so Jesus says, enter through this narrow gate. It's invitational. But he's inviting you. It's intentional. You have to choose. Someone said one time, God doesn't have grandchildren and he doesn't. He has children. Just because your your mama goes to church or your daddy goes to church or your grandpa was a Christian or because whatever reason, you need to know this. It's your personal decision to follow Jesus. Then Jesus, as a master teacher, begins to share the other road, the, the default road, because he says this, For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction and there are many who go through it. Many being every other person who has not accepted Christ. It's the default way. And it it leads to destruction. You know, I think, have you ever been on a a road before and you look for a road sign to see, make sure you're on the right road? Have you ever been traveling with your wife and your wife says, have you seen a road sign in a while? Well, there's a couple of signs that you can look for about this Broadway that will tell you a couple of indicators of how you know you're on the wrong road. First off, we see that great scripture in in Psalm 14.1 where the psalmist writes and says, The fool says in his heart, the foolish man says in his heart, there is no God. And I always tell you, there is an, is an italics in your Bible. That's because it's not in the original Hebrew language. The verse really reads, you know, the foolish man says in his heart, no God. And if you find yourself consistently in your life, going through life going, no God, no God, no God, no God, no God, no God, that is an indicator that you're on the wrong road. That's a road sign that says you're down the wrong path. The other one is an incredible verse in Psalm 10, verse 4. I have to read this one to you. In all his scheming, in all his plans... 
The wicked, the, the lost man, arrogantly thinks. Listen to these, these powerful words. There is no accountability since God does not exist. There is no accountability since God does not exist. That is a powerful verse. If you find your way saying, hey, there's no hell, there's no God, there's no accountability, I will live as I want to. If you find yourself loving the song of Frank Sinatra, hey, I did it my way, that's a real good indicator. I don't care how often you go to church. That's a real good indicator you're on the wrong road. And the road eventually leads to a place of destruction. In verse number 14, Jesus then says, How narrow is the gate and how difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. How narrow is that gate? Jesus only. He is the gate. He's the door. How narrow is it? Jesus is the way. Now, before you stomp your foot and go, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. That is not fair. What what about the Buddhists? What about the Hindus? What what about the Islams? I mean, their way. What about their way? Jesus is the way. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. You may say that's not fair of God, except for there's one deal. Whosoever will may come. God doesn't care if you live in Africa or Germany, if you're black or white, if you're rich or poor, if you've got a sin list as long as the road to New York, or you count yourself as pretty moral, Jesus is the way. That's why it's fair. That's why it's fair. God doesn't have a giant scale that says, I only want, you know, it's kind of like, you know, when you play kickball when you're a kid. You ever been the last kid picked? Kind of stings. It's not like God says, I want only the good ones for my kingdom. It would be a pretty small kingdom because the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one. Again, good people don't go to heaven. Forgiven people go to heaven. So this way is broad and like it leads to destruction. And it's a very narrow way. And Jesus is that narrow gate. And by the way, For those of you who are still mad at God because you didn't get the promotion and he didn't answer the prayer the way you wanted answered and and you're jealous because they got it and you didn't get it, would you please underline in your Bible those words and difficult the road? Who started the lie that when you trust Jesus, you never get sick, you always have money, and you get your new car? I cannot find that in the Bible. I do find that the road is difficult. But you know, I was watching, actually I was talking to T.A. Sullivan and watching on television how motorcycle riders don't love the interstate. They love the mountain road. It's more difficult, but it's more beautiful. And let me tell you something. The broad way may be easy and the narrow way difficult, but the end result, the destination, makes it worthwhile. Amen? Amen? So, so let's, let's, see, let's look now at these two destinations. And we'll have to keep this moving. I understand that. But let's look at these two destinations. Let's look at these two options. Let's look at these alternative de- destinies that we have. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 14, 12, There is a way. There is a way, not the way. There is a way that seems right to a man. But its end is the path of death. 
There's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is the way or path of death. Have you ever seen, wondered why the Broadway seems right? I think it's because, one, it's easy. Often it's attractive in the sense of sin in the world. But I really think it's because of what Jesus said. You know, Jesus said in Matthew 7, uh, excuse me, Matthew seven fifteen, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ravishing wolves. I think part of the reason the way seems right is because there are plenty of people in the world who will tell you the Broadway is the best way. And some of them crazy people have reverend in front of their names. Some of them will tell you that have large ministries and the right titles in front of their name that the Broadway seems to be the best way. Sometimes these false prophets that are, are, clothed, are ravenous wolves in sheep clothing are your favorite college professor. You graduate from high school, you graduate from Brent's program, and you go up to SIU or another school, and there is a really cool college professor, and he starts filling your head that this God stuff is not true. Sometimes it's a college professor. Sometimes it's a friend. There's somebody you really like at school, and they're so cool, and you want to be cool. And so they start telling you, I gave up that God stuff. It's a bunch of myth and fairy tales. Sometimes it's a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Sometimes it's a husband or a wife. False prophets can look like a lot of things. And they're all telling you what you don't need to hear. They're telling what you want to hear, that there is no God. God doesn't count. There's no heaven. There's no hell. All you have to do is just live life and enjoy it because, after all, you only go around once. And they're lying. But it makes the road seem right. And there's another. That's you. That's you. We sometimes convince ourselves that we're okay. And we're not okay. Men are famous. Men are famous for not going to the doctor. Our chest hurts. Our arm hurts. We have a pain in our neck. And we tell ourselves, it's nothing. And we wake up dead in three days. We tell ourselves that everything's okay. And whether you get tired of hearing it or not, that was me. 21 years in a church position leading music in a Baptist church and lost, singing in a quartet, giving testimonies that would make people cry, lost. Well, Dwayne, why did you do it? Dude, every girl in North Florida thought I was cool. I had a car. It may have been a 64 Rambler with no floorboards, but I had a car, and I was a certain famous person in certain circles because everybody knew who our quartet was and who sang in that quartet. That's why I did it. And then tomorrow, 40 years ago, October 26, 1975, in my church, talking to my pastor, I met Jesus. And it changed everything. It changed everything. But for those years, I convinced myself 
I could be good enough. And that's my major concern. You may be convincing yourself today, I'm okay. And you know in your heart you're not. This, script, this is one of the most powerful yet frightening scriptures I know of. In Matthew 7, 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, I was saying Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. On that day, many will say, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we drive out demons in your name? Do many miracles in your name? Did we sing in a quartet in your name? Were we a deacon in your name? Were we serving on committees in your name? Did we write checks in your name? Were we a Baptist in your name? And the Lord says, I will then announce to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you lawbreakers. So it seems right because there are plenty of people telling you it's okay. And then we spend a chunk of change convincing ourselves it's okay. And it's not. And then there's this other, you know, a powerful scripture. It's 1 Corinthians 2.9. However, as is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. There's a, there is a, there's a broad road and a broad gate that leads to destruction. That's what Jesus said. And this narrow way and this difficult way leads to life. And listen to this. It's so good that Paul says, the, the, the Apostle Paul says, you know, in, in, in this book to the Corinthians, he goes, listen, listen. Eyes have never seen it. Ears have never heard it. Your mind can't comprehend it. The things that God has in store for those who love Him. Hell is worse than you can ever imagine. And heaven is sweeter than we can ever imagine. Amen? Now I'm telling you, those are two incredible destinations. And the default destination is separation from God. But God has done everything He can and can do to make it possible for you to go to heaven, including His Son being nailed to that cross or a cross like that, bleeding, becoming sin, experiencing death, experiencing the wrath of His Father. Also, people like you and me who don't deserve it can come into relationship and call God Father. How incredible is so that brings us to this, this last judgment. I mean, this is like the end of the story. Well, for lost people. It's called the great white throne judgment. It happens at the very end of time, really, as we know it. And we find it in Revelation chapter 20, verse number 11 through 15. That's what we want to look at real quick. Here's what it says. John speaking, the Apostle John speaking. And boy, how, how cool of you to choose that song today. How cool, dude. Then I saw a great white throne, and him who sat on it, from whose face the earth and heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. Most theologians believe that this is when the old earth and heaven disappear. This is when they're done away with. Now again, someone's going to go, oh dude, come on. You really believe that stuff? Talk to your local scientists. Find an unbelieving scientist 
and say, do you believe the universe as we know it will always continue? And he'll say this, no. Because eventually the sun will run out of fuel. And when the sun runs out of fuel, this is a scientist, a lost person. When the sun runs out of fuel, life as we know it throughout the universe will cease to exist. Talk to your scientist. We just simply believe that, that, that one, is going to happen, but two, that God knows when. And the earth as we know it, and the heavens as we know it, will cease to exist. He goes on and says this, There's found no place for them, and I saw the dead. And these are all the people who have been spiritual, are spiritually separated, who, the ones who chose the broad road, the ones who listened to the false prophets, the ones who trusted their religion instead of Jesus. I saw the dead, small and great, the important and not the important, the rich and the poor. It doesn't matter. I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God. And we see two books. Actually, a series of books and a book. They were standing before God and books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. Two books. One, the book of life. The book of life records the name of every person who placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. It's a record book. And it's like, a, it's like a birth book. And in that book would be every name of every man, woman, and child who placed their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then there's, I wrote down this word, and you can put down the word you want. There's also books of evidence. Now, if, 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 if Mike, as an, a lawyer, when he goes to trial, he will submit evidence. And he'll say, Your Honor, this is exhibit number one. Well, these books contain all the works of all these people. It's the book of evidence. In fact, the Bible says that. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which are written in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it. And death and the grave, and really that's a better word than Hades. It's not the concept of our word hell. It's the grave. Death and the grave delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. So on this day of the great white throne judgment, the dead, small, and great will stand before God for the purpose of finishing their destiny. These are the ones who said, no God. These are the ones who said, hey, there's no God, so there's no accountability. And on that day, they will be held accountable. You know what's really cool about this? In this sentence, we see how just God is. The Bible says, let me read to you again. And they were judged, each one, according to his works. Go look back at verse number, number 12, last part. And the judged were according to the works by the things which were written in the books. What an incredible just God, who as these people stand before him, he presents the evidence. And the evidence is this. All their lives and the things they did as they lived for themselves and not for God would be presented. In case one person was there to say, wait a minute, that's not fair, God, but, but. And he goes, there'll be no buts because it's all recorded. It's all written down. Hey, 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 students, those things that you don't think 
mom and dad knew about? They're recorded. Sir, when you snuck downstairs in the middle of the night and got on that computer and saw that porn and your wife doesn't know, God does. And it's being recorded. God is a just God. But there's, there's such a powerful, great truth. I want you to grab a hold of this. Verse 14. Then death and the grave were cast into the lake of fire. You know, Paul wrote and said, the final enemy to be destroyed is death. This is the second death. And verse 15 is what I want you to take home. And anyone, and anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. There it is. Just like I told you earlier, heaven's not for good people. It's for forgiven people. And hell was created for the devil and his angels. But because God is just, he will grant the request of those people who said, no, God, he will finally grant that request. And they will be eternally separated from God. And the basis of it, the words were just the evidence. You will not go to hell because you're a liar. You'll not go to hell because you committed adultery. You'll go to hell because you said no to Jesus. And when he pulls out those record books and all the evidence is there, the condemning factor will be he opens the book of life and looks for your name and it's not there. You can plead religion. You can plead morality. You can plead you're a victim. But if your name's not in the Lamb's book of life, you will spend eternity separated from God in the total absence of God. And let me say it one more time. God has done everything he can to keep this from happening. God became flesh. He dwelt among us. He lived a sinless life. He allowed himself to be nailed to a cross. He experienced the full wrath of his father. To, to be blunt, he experienced the second death. All so we could be forgiven. He, he took our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 He took our sin and gave us his righteousness. I promise you this. If you find yourself one day in heaven, don't stick your shirt out too quick. Because you're there on the, based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Don't you dare pull out your Sunday school chain where you've got 23 years of perfect attendance. You know, I will place my boast in Christ alone. Because of him, we can experience eternity in heaven. Isn't that powerful? Well, Dwayne, what would it be like? Well, again, we don't, we don't really have... We, our mind can't comprehend it. But if you continue over into Revelation chapter 21, those first five verses, you really get a picture a little bit of things about what it's going to be like. You know, the Bible says, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And watch now, for the first heaven and the first earth have passed away. That leads credence to what I said about the old earth and the old heaven passing away. And God creates a new heaven and a new earth. And the Bible says there was no more sea. And that's just a hint. You know, it's amazing how we... Now, we know about the new Jerusalem and we get a big description of that. But we really don't know too much about the new heaven and new earth. What it's going to be like. But we have a glimpse here. Do you see it? I can't... I probably should have looked it up. But as you know, a chunk of the earth's surface is covered by what? By water. This is a glimpse how totally different 
the new heaven and earth will be. You see it? There's no sea. Whatever the new earth looks like, it will not have an Atlantic Ocean or a Pacific Ocean. It'll be a landmass. Isn't, isn't that wild? Doesn't that just kind of create something in your brain? Say, I've got to check this out. We don't, again, Scripture doesn't speak a lot about the new heaven and new earth. But we get this hint that says it's going to be totally different. He goes on and says this. Then I, John, saw the holy city. Again, there's more of that later in the book that we won't get to today. I saw the holy city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. As a bride. You know, every bride, every bride, every bride, that's her best day. I mean, you could take a woman who wasn't very attractive, but on her wedding day, and that's, and that's how John illustrates this. It's so wonderfully and powerful. It's like a bride on her wedding day. In verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold the tabernacle of God with men, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people. It's really cool because in the Hebrew, or sorry, in the Greek, the word people there is plural. And they will be his peoples. Every tongue. Every tribe. Every nation. Part of it all. Before the throne, worshiping eternally the one true God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that awesome? And, and God himself will be with them and be their God. This is the ultimate Christmas morning. God became flesh as a little baby. And we shall call his name Emmanuel. God with us. Multiply that a trillion zillion times. And you have the picture of this verse. God himself will be with them and be their God. That's heaven. In the presence of creator God. Forever and ever and ever. And he will be our God. And we will be his people. And here's of the part that I'm going to cover this morning. Here's the best part. This is why that, that broad road is not near as good as you think it is. That broad gate, where it leads is not where you want to go. Listen to this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Think of the things that's broken your heart. The strongest men sometimes weep. And when we get there, come on now. When we get there, God's going to wipe away every tear from our eyes. When you wept for that little baby that you didn't understand, when it died, he or she died. When you cried out to God for a child and for some reason God didn't grant that. When your husband suddenly died or your wife suddenly died. When the doctor said you have cancer and you realize you'd never see your child married or graduated and you wept. God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death. Come on now. Them gold streets are going to be fine of that new Jerusalem. And those 12 foundations, they're going to be good. 
Them streets of gold and, and those gates made of one gigantic pearl, that's all fine. But there'll be no more death. That's real fine. And, and, and he goes on and says this, and, and there'll be no more sorrow. There'll, there'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. In fact, let's just say it this way, John says, the former things have passed away. Everything that hurts in this life will be a former thing. And it will be gone. Now, I can't, I can't come close to promising you that for the broad road. But in the intentional and invitational way of God, He says, I have a place prepared for you. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And there'll be no death. And there'll be no sickness. And there'll be no sorrow. And there'll be no pain. Because the former things have passed away. And, and then, if there's a summary verse, verse 5, Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. The things that Satan destroyed, the things that Satan hurt, the things that Satan stole, God says. Now, there's a lot of things God is, and liar is not one of them. He said, I make all things new. And then just in case we need a nudge in the right direction, he told John, write these things, for these words are true and now, your false prophet will tell you along the way, you know, the one that's sitting on your shoulder right now saying, and you've been trying to decide about Jesus, and the one sitting on your shoulder saying, he's not speaking the truth, this is a fairy tale, that guy. Well, the God of the universe says, write these things down, because they're true, and they're faithful. And when you get discouraged in this world, and you wonder somewhere along the way, Will it be worth it all? And the song said it. It will be worth it all. Don't miss this. I don't know what Satan is selling you. I don't know what he's promised you. I don't know if he said, I'll get you the promotion. You can have the car, the boat. You can have the girl of your dreams. I don't know what he's selling you. But he's a liar and the father. And again, this old book we call the Bible has stood around for about 4,000 years, written over 1,500 years, with 66 books and 40 authors. And it's not been a revision yet. Oh, there's been translations. But there's not been a revision yet. You know why? It's truth. See, it took my mom and daddy eight tries to get me. They were shooting for perfection. You don't find eight revisions or revelations of God's word. He got it right the first time. Now my question is this. What are you going to do with the truth you heard today? You have two choices. If you have never come to that point where you've heard the voice of God calling you and he says, follow me, and you turn from self, you turn from sin, and you chose to follow Jesus. If you've not done that, not if you've been baptized. I was baptized three times. Not if you prayed a prayer. I prayed three prayers. 
But the changing point of my life was when I realized that I couldn't do it on my own, and I literally turned away from that life and chose to follow Jesus. If you've never done that, God gives you a choice today. If he's calling, if you've got that nudge, you've got that butterfly, I, think, you, I can't describe it for you, but you know this message was for you. That my friend Brent will be standing down front. And we won't lead you in a magic prayer because there's not one. But we will guide you in that decision to be like Matthew, to get up and follow Jesus. That's what we'll guide you in. And it's not a, it's not a, matter of fact, Bible says it's a difficult road. Life may not be perfect or easy, but the destination makes it worth it. You'll have a friend that sticks closer than a brother. You'll have a father who will never disown you. And you'll gain a family. A little weird, but you'll gain a family. Amen? That's your choice today. That's the choice. Rod Road, narrow road. Hell or heaven? Is your name written... In the Lamb's book of life. That's the determining factor. Now, if you've got questions, I, you, come. We'll, if we don't answer them now, we'll answer them later for you. We'll do the best I can. We don't know all the answers, but we'll sure try our best. My prayer today has been that Holy Spirit will get a hold of hearts and lead them to the narrow gate and trust Jesus Christ the Savior. Let's pray together, okay? God, thank you so very much for the opportunity and the privilege to share this truth. I thank you for David and the praise team, the worship team, setting the groundwork as we worshiped you as the true, incredible God that you are. Now, Father, I know Satan, that he would love to confuse people. He would love to cause people to believe a lie rather than the truth. I pray against the false prophets that would speak into hearts today and pray for the truth to get into people's hearts. I pray for the one who perhaps this is the first time they've been to church and this is all new to them. I pray that they'll have the faith to believe. And God, if there are any like me who for so long darkened the doors but never experienced your grace, God, may today be that day for them. You're incredible, God. You're incredible, Jesus, Holy Spirit. We love you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for meeting with us today. And Jesus, I pray this in your precious name. Amen.